Warning, this podcast contains strong language, graphic nudity, and depictions of extreme stupidity and is meant only for mature audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Or not, you do you. Hello and welcome to the worst podcast on Mars, also known as Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. I'm Amanda. I'm apparently not prepared for this. <laughs> this is the podcast where we talk music and we give you the history behind an album. And this week we're doing Cheryl Crow's Tuesday Night Music Club. But before we get into that, sup? Sup? How you doing? Eh, there's a cat just kind of giving me a weird side eye, so I'm not too comfortable. <laughs> Um, your chances of getting murdered by a cat are low, but never zero. Correct. Um, do you have any corrections from last week? Last week was Tupac's um, Me Against the World. At the time of recording, I just finished editing and didn't hear anything right away. But I'm sure you might come up with something when you listen to it. Right now, I don't think so. I mean, we are kind of working ahead and... I don't think we have any corrections. Nobody said anything so far. So, um, should I just get into it? That's fine with me. Unless you have anything that you want to address before we get started? I don't believe so. Do you? Not that I'm aware of. No. So, uh, like I said, this week we're doing Cheryl Crow's Tuesday Night Music Club. It was released August 3rd, 1993, and is 139 on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame list that we're pulling from. Tuesday Night Music Club was Crow's debut solo album and was a group effort. On Tuesday nights during 1992, Crow, along with several of her musician friends, would get together and just play music and share ideas. This is where the album got its name. Crow gave credit to many of these friends, which includes Bill Bottrell, Kevin Gilbert, David Bearwald, David Ricketts, Dan Schwartz, and Brian Mac. Mechliad. Mechli. I don't know. I don't know. Sorry. Other credits were given to Kevin Hunter and Wynn Cooper for their lyric contributions. Crow said these sessions had the vibe of, quote, close the door, order some food, crack open the Jack Daniels, and let's go. Okay. So this... Sounds like a great Tuesday night. The album was based on these sessions where it was just like this weekly thing. These musicians would get together Play D&D and talk about ideas. Right. <laughs> and they would just jam. And so she got inspiration from them to create this. Cheryl Crow was a former music teacher who had sung backing vocals for Michael Jackson's Bad Tour and also had worked with both Rod Stewart. I wrote both and then I listed like four or five names. <laughs> That, yes, that's how numbers work. And I had also worked with Rod Stewart, Don Henley, Belinda Carlisle, and Stevie Wonder. She had also wrote songs for Celine Dion, Tina Turner, and Winona Judd. Although Tuesday Judd. Night... Didn't... Who just died? Wasn't that her? I think so. Or somebody from the Judds? Naomi. Okay. Maybe. Same same band? Yeah. Um. Although Tuesday Night Music Club was her official solo debut... Crow actually recorded a solo album with British producer Hugh pa- Padham, Padcam, Pad, P A D G H A M. I don't know. Hugh P. Pad Thai. Pad. <laughs> but it, it was actually never released. This was a decision that Crow actually made. She convinced her label not to release it because she wasn't happy with it as a whole. She thought she could do better. 
Tuesday Night Music Club was obviously the record that launched Crow's career. However, this didn't come without a bit of backlash. Although it was a group effort to create and record the album, Crow was the only one in the group who had a record contract. On top of this, she often did not state accurate songwriting facts in interviews. This caused some issues within the group, and Bottrell, along with a few other group members, would publicly criticize Crow for this. So, it's you, you kind of hear these stories every once in a while where you have like a group, let's say they're high school friends, they create a garage band, they go do their thing, but only like the label just wants one of them. Okay. Kind of the same situation here where she's jamming with all these musician friends, but she was the only one who had a record contract. So she used their ideas to create her record. Or maybe like a football team and only one person gets a scholarship and everybody else is kind of just left to fend for themselves. Yeah. And so she didn't, when she was touring and giving interviews for it, she didn't name all, all these influences and and there were all the people that were with her yeah but she she's kind of like i i guess just said it yeah i did a lot of it it did and yeah and it didn't give credit where credit and didn't to. say yeah i did a lot of it but this person also did a lot of it right crow's first album the one that she didn't want released was a a bit too commercial for her taste because of the Tuesday session, she decided to go into a different direction, gathering inspiration from country and blues that had been missing from the top 40 charts at the time. What she ended up creating was a new genre, dubbed coffee shop music. It was adult contemporary with a bit of a rock edge. This was at a time where grunge was huge and dance music dominated MTV. This album brought on a wave of alternative music that kind of responded to everything else with a musical shrug. So she is responsible for the creation of what we would consider to be coffee shop music. Okay. And that all started with this album. I'm, I I get what you're saying, but I, I don't know if I understand what coffee shop is. It's, it's the ac- acoustic music that people are playing, tip- typically acoustic. It's more laid back, like, it's not going to have your swear words, really. It's not going to be so heavy and in your face. It's the stuff that's that can play in the background when you're grocery shopping. It's the, you know, to kind of easy listening okay. stuff, but maybe a little harder than... Kenny G. Okay. If that makes sense. And, and, um, so kind of like a John Mayer. Yeah. And last week we did Charlie Smith as the little reviews days episode. He's kind of the same thing. It's that laid back, easy listening, calm music that is, you know, you can kind of imagine just playing when you're going to a, a, a bar that's not, heavy or, or, just or like, maybe maybe not so much with the the protest ones but kind of like a dylan like, maybe. The, like the folk music yeah and um so when you went to see cold my friend and i we bar hopped yeah and one of those bars was also like a, a restaurant but they had a live musician there and this was the kind of the stuff that he was playing he was just playing like um acoustic 
gentle, calm stuff. And and that's kind of where the genre started. Okay. And my last note is a fun fact. All I want to do was written using a poem by Wynn Cooper. The royalty checks he received from this allowed him to quit his day job. That'd be a nice. There's a, I did see something else without royalty checks recently. Hmm. Uh, I think it was, I don't remember what song it was, but Diddy sampled something from the police. Uh-huh. Did not get permission first at first oh i saw this and, and i that's guess how sting put his kids and i guess his pl- i guess is paying five thousand a day for it mm-hmm. yeah so, and that, yeah every breath you take but i don't remember what, what i don't remember what the diddy song was you'd recognize it i don't remember the diddy diddy the diddy diddy so that is all i had on the history and and we kind of see that with some of these debut ones that there's not a lot yeah really going on with it i did like the idea that it was based on these tuesday jam yeah it was a little it was a little group effort yeah so i'm going to move on to the cultural impact of it so although tuesday night music club would end up selling so well it didn't do so right away it took seven months for it to show up on the Billboard 200, appearing at number 173. One critic noted that the album, quote, blends roots, melody, emotion, and intelligence. The music, led by piano, organ, and rhythm guitar, is stylish but not slick, while Crow's charged lyrics mix irony, imagination, and observation. So it... it took a bit for it to catch on and we've talked a little like i remember one of the last ones that we talked about like that was the nationals first two pages of frankenstein that one was new that one had come out in april and it did not like right away it didn't have anything right but give it a little bit of time and it may it needs to sit and marinate and i think that was the case with this one um tuesday night music club Ended up selling over 8 million copies worldwide, with 7 of those just in the in the United States. 7 million, not 7 single copies. Okay. Just for clarification. And it won 3 Grammys in 1999, 1999, 1995 for Record of the Year, Best New Artist, and Best Female Vocal Performance. The singles released were Run Baby Run, Leaving Las Vegas, Strong Enough, which charted at number 5, and All I Want to Do, which hit number two on the Billboard charts. So my last note here is um, just I didn't find information as to how this album had influenced other artists. But I did find why it was so popular at the time. It was a comforting break from the angry and hostile music that was dominating the radio at the time. Because like I said, grunge was very popular. Crow gave listeners something good, but not all that exciting. One article I read called it comfort food, and I understand that. In the early 90s, we saw the rise of grunge and alternative, with grunge inspiring a whole cultural movement that extended to fashion as well. Like, we talked about that way back in episode, what, four, three, three? Nirvana? About Nirvana, how they inspired the flannel shirts and the, the ripped jeans. Like, people wanted to dress like them. It was a whole movement. It wasn't just music. There was a fashion statement along with it. And it's Crow's music here. It gave people to, to 
it gave people a chance to take a breath and step away from the excitement of everything else. So it and it wasn't it wasn't like this huge movement. But it also started a a kind of general sense of here's a new movement or here's a new music form that uh, I had the train of thought that is more accessible. Mm-hmm. Kind of like the, I guess, early indie. Yeah, and that's what I thought of. And another thought I had, and I know you've, you youngin, <laughs> you never got into Friends. Like, culturally, no. you know what Friends is. Yeah, I had, there were classmates of mine in middle school that were into it. Yeah, I watched Friends from the debut on, all the way through the whole whole 10 seasons but the character phoebe played by lisa kudrow she played the guitar a lot in the coffee shop where they hung out and that's what i thought of when i was listening to this and researching everything is somebody performing where you're not expecting everybody to like people are carrying on conversations and everything and you're just kind of there okay that's kind of what i thought but it was Cheryl Crow's music here, it, it, and I'm not saying it's bad, it just, it provides everybody with a breath of fresh air, a chance to step back and take a breather from the grunge and alternative. And even, just to, I, I know it was early 90s, but I don't remember exactly what year, but Metallica's Black Album or the self-titled Metallica album, mm-hmm. you know, that's kind of starting to to take over things too, as well as grunge. So it's, right. it's a nice little. Right. Right. So that is really all I had. And it, it, I think a lot of it is it, because it took so long to kind of take off. People were really weren't inspired by it. And they're like, yes, this is the album that I think. It, I mean, we said this with Anita Baker, there is going to be one person out there that is a huge Sheryl Crow fan and that they think is the best there is, the best that ever was, the best that ever will be. And that, is, you know, that's their opinion on it. And I just think that we have another that was right place, right time. Yeah. But with this one, you also have the creation of a new genre. And we're seeing as you know, it would have been really interesting to kind of do these in chronological order so we could have talked the progression of music. Yeah, that would have been but, interesting. Uh, restart the podcast. Um, but as we've... So the oldest one we did was... Was it Elvis or was it Sinatra? Yes. Or Miles Davis. What One of those three. I think they were all in the 50s. But you have... You know, and so we've done... Like, going into Linkin Park and Avril Lavigne. So, you know, 50s all the way to the early 2000s. You see a lot of these genres branch off into subgenres, creating new categories. And they have to do that because what they created cannot be classified as, as one thing. Yeah. So, they, so it's very interesting to see how this tree, where you have just rock as the stump branch off and create all these well i would think the the stump would be more blues 
And then that goes to rock. But, I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, it's, they're all connected somehow. And I think it's been interesting to see along the way. But, so I'm going to get into my sources. Okay. So thank you to Tuesday Night Music Club, No Author, No Date on CherylCrow.com. Thank you to Tuesday Night Music Club, Cheryl Crow Escapes to Make a Classic Debut by Paul Sexton, published March 26, 2023 on YouDiscoverMusic.com. Thank you to Cheryl Crow Tuesday Night Music Club by Lauren Fidel, published October 13, 2022 on WFUV.org. Thank you to Tuesday Night Music Club, Cheryl Crow by Rick Albano, no date, on 1001 Ab- Albums You Must Hear Before You Die.net. I was going to say, I don't think ABBA has that many albums. <laughs> Thank you to Cheryl Crow's debut album, Tuesday Night Music Club Turns 25 Anniversary Retrospective by Liz Itowski. Itkowski, thank you. <laughs> Published October 2nd, 2018 on albumism.com. Thank you to Cheryl Crow re-releases Tuesday Night Music Club by Kevin C. Johnson, published September 11th, 2018 on MontereyHerald.com. Thank you to Tuesday Night Music Club by Cheryl Crow Sales and Awards, No Author, No Date, best on bestsellingalbums.org. Thank you to CD Review, Cheryl Crow Tuesday Night Music Club Deluxe Edition by Jeff Giles, published November 16th, 2009 on popdose.com. Was that Jay Giles? Yes. Okay. And his band. Thank you to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2023 inductee Cheryl Crow, no author, on May 3rd, 2023 on rockhall.com. Did you know she was inducted? No. And there are, this is a whole separate argument, but there are people that have been inducted that probably shouldn't be, and there are people that have not been inducted that probably should be. And I'll leave it at that. Okie dokie, Artichokey, why don't you give me your review? Okay, so we're going to start at the beginning. And by the beginning, we mean the cover. Okay. And Zeppelin won a Grammy, and Beatles won a Grammy. This will not win a Grammy for the cover. I, You can't judge an album by its cover, but you kind of have an idea of what's going on. I, I will start there. I did not care for the cover. It's the first time you've specifically talked about whether or not you like a cover, I think. I mean, we've talked about covers, but you never like as part of your a part of your reviews have said. No, no but Mikey. well, it was more that very recently we had talked about an album cover winning a Grammy. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was an interesting time to bring it up as like you have this you have this Grammy winning cover, and then you have other album covers that you're like, no, this is, like how does zeppelin win a grammy you know what i mean like what are the specifications like what else is in that grammy cover mm-hmm. or that that category you know that that'd be interesting to go look at because like what was sergeant pepper's against mm-hmm. so it'd be it'd be very interesting to look at that but like i said it's i was listening to it a little bit and then i kind of saw the album cover and i was like okay that's that's just a separate thing you know it, it doesn't it doesn't change my review of the album, I just wanted to say, hey, I just wanted to acknowledge that we had recently talked about Grammy winning covers. Okay. Um, so she's kind of like Tupac in that I don't really know a lot of her stuff. Mm-hmm. Like the only song that I conscious, there are two songs that I consciously know that I've listened to. Okay. All I Want to Do and the one with Kid Rock. Okay. Those are the only two songs I know of her. Like I know the name 
but I don't know the work. Does that make sense? Like, like there's some of these artists, like actual artists, you like, you like, okay, I can tell that's this artist. I know of this name. Right. But I don't know any of their work. You know, I, I know that they exist in history. I can't tell you anything about them. That's kind of where she falls for me. Um, I don't think I knew it was that old. I thought it was like 96 to 99. Mm-hmm. So granted, that's only a couple years, but still, I, I guess, you know what I mean? It's like you listen to something and you're, you have a, like you have a time frame of reference in your mind. And then somebody says, hey, yeah, that's actually 10 years later. Like, wait a minute. Where, how does this, how does this time work anymore? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't understand anything anymore. Time is a made-up construct. Yes, time is a flat circle. So you said this was classified you as country. Um. In one of your notes that I wasn't paying attention to. Clearly, I wasn't paying attention either. I think it was early. Um. Please hold. While your party is reached, and while you are holding, we would like to talk to you about your car's extended warranty. Um, she blended, I know I like, I just talked about it, but I'm trying to find it in my notes so I can quote it again. Um, maybe not classified as country, but has not country. Oh, she gathered inspiration from country and blues. Okay. Cause if we're classifying this as a country type of album, I will say Shania Twain was a better album. Mm -hmm. This was... I understand the whole coffee shop, but this was another one of those that it's a little too backgroundy for me. Meaning that you would prefer to listen to it as background noise as yeah. opposed to rather than actively listening to yeah, it. Yeah, because I would I would prefer something that's not necessarily heavy, but something that's more upbeat, that has a little bit more life to it, rather than this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was another issue that I had with it. Um, then for whatever reason, I wrote in my note that Solidify reminded me of No Doubt. Okay. I, I have all it says that that's all it says. I, I don't have any more information on that. So B minus. I guess I didn't even write that in my notes either. <laughs> so that's that's kind of what we're getting today. Did you keep anything? No. Like I said, the only one I knew is all I want to do and I don't. I may not turn it off if it comes on the radio, but I'm not going to actively seek. Right. I'm not going to actively put it on. Okay. And there are other songs like that. I don't recognize anything off of here, but we've had some of these other albums recently that it's like, this is all right, but I don't, I'm not going to actively turn this on. But if I'm not, if I'm at a, if I'm at a coffee shop and it starts playing, you know, I'm not going to trash their speakers and walk out. You know what I mean? Why not? Yeah. Uh, mainly because I don't want to pay for the speakers. I mean, I'll just walk out and I'll just kind of <laughs> tip a chair. Because we just bought a new car, so we don't have bail money. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so uh, you finished with your review? Yeah. Okay. So um, like so many other artists we've done from this list, I know Cheryl Crow, but I don't know much of her work. So a little bit like you. Um, I won't say I'm a fan. But I do know the words to some of her songs, which, you know, the ones you hear on the radio all the time. I knew All I Want to Do by name before I started listening, but I didn't think I knew much else. When I was getting ready to pull up this album, I went ahead and looked at her second album called Cheryl Crow. 
and I recognized many more songs by title from that. So I thought this was going to be something new for me. And now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure I have that second album. Which is why I would know. But okay, continue. I uh, I could definitely hear the countries, the country and blues within the very first song. I also immediately recognized "Strong Enough" once it started playing, and "Can't Cry Anymore" during the chorus. I didn't care for the Nana song, but I did think it was in a good spot on the album. It was different, and I could see why "All I Want to Do" did so well. It's upbeat and peppy, and it's still a good song that I think doesn't sound dated. Um, as a whole, I didn't really care for it. I did keep All I Want to Do and Strong Enough, I think, purely for nostalgic reasons. But as an album, I just didn't care for it. It's not her. I did go back through some of her other albums and added songs that I knew I liked to my library. She's just an artist that kind of fell off my radar, if that makes sense. Uh, she's very talented, which I know is a thing I say a lot. But I do appreciate the talent that these people have. Oh, yeah, have. they just... There, there's. I can't question that. Like, if you're, if you're able to do this, it's great. It just may not be right. something that I want to listen to. Right. Um, but as that article put it, she's just not exciting enough to grab me and make me come back to an album again and again. I do. I will say, you know, like I said, I looked at her second album, which I, I liked more songs off of. There are some other songs later on that I remember, like she came out with, that I thought were good. So I think I like some of. Her, her later stuff, but I gave this one a C plus. Okay. And skipping over Evan's final thoughts because he never does it. Um, overall, it was just okay. It wasn't great, but I can see why it launched her career. She was a bit of fresh air that the radio needed at the time, and she used the inspiration gathered at these Tuesday night sessions to make something she was happy with. I just don't think the album as a whole stands up anymore today. The only exception, in my opinion, was all I want to do. So. And there, there are albums like that. You're like, this is, this is not good anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's it for Cheryl Crow. Do you have? What are we doing? Birthdays? Yeah. You always there. change up the order, and I like to keep you on your toes. Yeah. I like you keep like to keep you on your crow toes crow's toes crow's toes yep all right so that's what's on the guy who plays gladiator's feet all right moving on yep july 7th american singer mary ford who with half who with half of the husband and wife musical team yeah that was named after the guitar mm -hmm. had the 1953 u.s number one single via con dios and 16 top 10 hits do you know who her husband was? Mm-mm. Last Paul. Oh, okay. 1947. 1928. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we starting the drinking game again? <laughs> because you should have to drink for that one. Um, J.J. Barry... U.S. singer, one hit wonder with 1976 U.K. number one single, No Charge. Um, 31. 33. Richard Starkey, drums and vocals. Do you know that name? It sounds familiar, but I don't know why. Ringo. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh... 
35. 40. American singer-songwriter Linda Jansen. Do you know that name? Yes, but why? She is best known for her 1963 U.S. number one hit, My Boyfriend's Back. Oh. You know they made a really bad 80s movie out of that song? Where, like, the boyfriend died and came back like a zombie? I love that movie. It's bad, and I love it so much. Okay, um, 41. 44. English rock and blues drummer Rob Townsend, who with family had the 1971 UK number four single In My Own Time and later became a member of the blues band. 49. 47. American rock guitarist Larry Reinhardt, who played with Iron Butterfly and Captain Beyond. At one time, he was known by the nicknames El Rhino and Rhino, R-Y-N-O. 50. 48. Okay, I'm pausing you for a second because My Boyfriend's Back was actually from 1993. And it starred um, Andrew Lowry and Tracy Lind. And, oh, Edward Herman. You know who that is? Nope. I Um, I don't know any of those names. Herman Munster. I think. I don't think so. Oh, Philip Seymour Hoffman was in it. Okay, that name I know. No, I don't. I don't think that's Herman Munster because he was in Pet Cemetery. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Cloris Leachman was in it too. Okay, I know that. Name. Um. Okay, I'm gonna find out why you would know Edward Herman, and you can continue. David Hodo, from American disco group The Village People. Uh. They had the single, the hit singles. What are the three? Well, there's. There's four, but I'll take if you can give me three of them. The nineteen, including the nineteen seventy eight U.S. number two. I don't know. Macho Man. Oh, oh, YMCA. YMCA. In the Navy. In the Navy. Fifty-four. Fifty. God damn it. Mark White, bassist with American American rock band The Spin Doctors. Do you know them? Yeah. Um, two princes. Yeah. 1993, UK number three and US number seven. 55. 62. <laughs> I'm not doing so good. No, it doesn't sound like it. Uh, Brian Elwin Hayner Jr., also known as Sinister Gates, American guitar songwriter for Avenged Sevenfold. 65. 81. And we'll just leave it there because you keep getting way off track. So let's just do some on this day. Yeah. So July 7th, 1957. Elvis scored his first UK number one single with... you have any ideas? It was his 10th UK single release. Mm-mm. All shook up. Mm-hmm. And I... I think the story of that has to do with a Pepsi bottle. But that's a that's a story for another time for you to look up. Okay. 1966. The Kinks were at number one on the UK singles chart with... The Animal... Or the, that's the Animals. <laughs> um, Lola. Sunny Afternoon. The group's third and last UK number one. Like its contemporary Taxman by the Beatles... The song references the high levels of tax taken by the British Labour government of Harold Wilson. 
In America, the track peaked at number 14 on the Billboard Hot 100 Pop Singles Chart early autumn of 1966. What? Okay. You have your hand raised, but nobody can see it. (laughs) And you accuse me. So, Ed, Edward Herman did play Herman Munster on Here Come the Munsters in a 1995 TV movie. So, technically, I was correct, but he was not the original. Continue. 1969. George Harrison recorded his new song with just two other Beatles, Paul McCartney and Ringo. John Lennon was absent, recovering from a car crash in Scotland. Do you have any idea what the song was? Here comes the... Sun. Moon. Talking Head... In 1978, Talking Heads released their second studio album... Do you have any guesses as to what it's called? No. More songs about buildings and food. I would have never guessed that. Ever. July 7th, 1980. Led Zeppelin played their very played their last ever concert with drummer John Bonham. The set included Black Dog, The Rain Song, Hot Dog, All My Love, Trampled Underfoot, Since I've Been Loving You, Cashmere, Stairway to Heaven, and Rock and Roll. They finished the show with a 17-minute version of Whole Lot of Love. And I believe that was their last actual concert until they did one in 2007, I think, at the O2 Arena with his son on drums. Mm -hmm. That's the, I believe it's Celebration Day. I think it was for someone at a record label. But that's really... That sounds right, because I I ran across that when I... But that's, that's the only other thing they've done since, so... I I commend them for sticking to the hey, no, mm-hmm. we're not Zeppelin without Bonham. Yeah. They released uh Coda, I believe that would have been after that, but that would have been the last thing last stuff that they released. Uh, in nineteen eighty four, Prince started a five week run at number one on the US singles chart with When Doves Cry. When Doves Cry, his first US number one which went on to sell over 2 million copies, and it hit number what in the UK? Two. Four. Six, eight, who do we appreciate? Also 1984, Bruce Springsteen went to number one on the US albums chart with? Born in the USA. The album went on to spend a total of 139 weeks on the US chart. So here's here's a little game for you, okay? It is one of three albums to produce seven top ten U.S. singles. What are the other two? You should know one of them. One of them is Michael Jackson. One of them is Thriller. Shania Twain. Janet Jackson's. Janet Jackson. Rhythm Nation 1814. I'm going to give you a piece of information and you're going to tell me the year. July 7th. It was announced that for the first time, compact discs were outselling vinyl albums. What am I supposed to tell you? What year? 93. 89. Yeah. Okay. You're like, that, they're that old? But we went into that with them talking about the uh, re-release of the Beatles catalog. That's right. 1999. It was reported that to attract young people to their mobile vans, UK ice cream sellers would start to play pop hits as music instead of the traditional chimes. These two groups' hits would be the first to be played. I don't know, but we don't need to be attracting anybody to vans. 
That's just my personal opinion on it. Who is it? Spice Girls and Oasis. <laughs> Oasis is. Yes. In 2006, Sid Barrett died from complications arising from diabetes. Do you know the, who that name is? Yeah. Who? Pink Floyd. Singer, songwriter, guitarist was one of the founding members. Active as a rock musician for only about seven years before he went into seclusion. Released two solo albums before going into self-imposed seclusion lasting more than 30 years with his mental deterioration blamed on drugs. We'll do one more. Yeah, maybe two. In 2007, this artist became the first artist to be honored on Birmingham's own Hollywood-style walk of fame. It's in the UK. Say that again? This became the first artist to be honored on Birmingham's own Hollywood-style Walk of Fame. Told more than 1,000 fans that the brass paving star meant more to him than any Hollywood accolade. It's basically a UK Walk of Fame. Elton John. Ozzy. Okay. And then Paul McCartney joined Ringo on stage at a concert. To, at uh, Radio City Music Hall to help celebrate Ringo's 70th birthday in what year? We talked about him on his birthday. <laughs> but do you listen or pay attention to me? No. <laughs> so this would have been 2010. With Ringo's all-star band joined by Yoko Ono, Joe Walsh, Angus Young, and Stephen Van Zant, Paul belted out birthday and Ringo delivered with a little help from my friends. I... Okay. I keep finding new stuff to tell you. So we're going to do two more and then that's it. That's actually it. Okay. In 2015, climate scientists from five leading universities found that this artist referenced the climate almost a third. Uh, Okay. Making him the musician most likely to mention the weather in his lyrics. The Beatles came in at number two, mentioning the weather in 48 of of the 308 songs they wrote. Okay? Okay. This artist referenced it in 163 of his 542 songs. I don't know. Bob Dylan. Okay. And then in 2017, the official charts company overhauled the way it compiles the UK Top 40 in an effort to stop A-list artists elbowing newer acts out of the way. The move was prompted by this artist, whose new album proved so popular that it propelled 16 tracks into the top 20 in March. I don't know. Ed Sheeran. Really? Apparently had 16 of the top 20 tracks. Hmm. So that is all that I have to add. Okay. Well, do you have any recommendations? Yeah, I recommend actually doing research and trying to write notes and come up with something before you're forced to do it on the spot <laughs> because i had something but you mean i don't prepare? remember yeah that's the word <laughs> um i don't have any, rec- any recommendations either we've been pretty busy we've been saying that a lot lately but um stuff's starting to wind down and we can kind of focus on what we want instead of what we need to do for everybody else and can we have a not recommendation sure a face tattoo (laughs) i not recommend putting a fork in an outlet (laughs) 
So, thank you for listening. You can find us. Why are you laughing? (laughs) Oh, you know what I recommend? Doing something nice for your partner, like making them a mug of tea, and when you bring it to them, make sure you look all shifty so they think you did something to it, because that's not totally what I did to Evan today. (laughs) You always look shifty, though. You can find us on Instagram at WorstPodOnMars. Send us an email, WorstPodOnMars at gmail.com. Find us on Facebook, WorstPodcastOnMars. Send us a suggestion, because on Tuesdays we do these smaller episodes where we just do... um, three to five facts (laughs) about an album and we do the reviews and we do things off of this list so we're trying to explore different uh different albums different artists that might not be on this rock and roll hall of fame list that we're doing um or entirely in your comfort zone that is also correct um i think that was everything that was quick but yeah come back next week when we're doing matchbox 20s yourself or someone like you Bye-bye. That's your reflection.